right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started because we are already 10 minutes into our session and I have lots and lots of material to share with you. Um, I'm going to start out with how many of you guys have ever read the book The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath? Beautiful. So this is going to be all new information for all of you. Um, this is um, a book that I read and then I read again and then I listened to the audio version, and then I listened to the audio version again because it is such a powerful book. They are not Christian authors, but they are amazing authors um, for people in leadership. And so this book is all about the power of moments. What creates a defining moment in the life of a person? And so today we're gonna talk about um, some of these powerful defining moments and how that applies to ministry. Right, So we want the people that are coming into our churches as leaders, we want them to have powerful, defining moments with the king of the universe, right? We want to be able to speak life into the people that come through our doors. And so what does that look like? What are the things that create these powerful, defining moments? And so we are going to have a couple times where I'm going to encourage you to talk with the people at your tables um, and discuss. However, because we are on a time limit, when I cut you, I need you to stop talking <laughs> so we can keep moving, okay? Um, so the very first thing I wanna show many, show you guys is how many of you guys have ever seen like the America's Got Talent and some of those shows, right? I want us to watch a clip and this is, this is kind of a long clip, it's about six minutes, but I feel like it's gonna really set us up for the rest of our session today, okay? So check this out. Can you guys hear in the back okay? Thank you. 
recognize the emotion that he has right now and probably the emotion that you're feeling watching this. power of a moment, right? How defining in that child's life to experience something so highly emotional, right? It's a moment of pride, it's a moment of elevation, but something he will remember for the rest of his life. And so for just a minute or two, remember, when I cut you, I need you to stop talking, <laughs> okay? But I want you for just a moment to talk with the people at your table. If you don't have a major table, make sure you jump in. Um, but I want you to talk, what, it, what was a golden buzzer moment in your life? Maybe something that was really powerful that happened to you. Maybe it was somebody that spoke into your life that changed the trajectory of your life. I want you to talk for just literally like a minute, guys, okay? <laughs> um, about what was a golden buzzer moment in your life? Talk with your tables. <laughs>
also 1115 that I have. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep talking about what is it that makes a moment memorable. So memorable moments naturally occur during peaks, pits, beginnings, endings, and transitions. Okay? And the best organizations maximize the peaks. They manage the, tradition, the transitions, and they minimize the pits, okay? I got a lot for you guys, so hang tight, <laughs> right? And so it, for, for us as church leaders, you know, a lot of times we start thinking, well, you know, sometimes it costs a lot of money to do some of these really big things. And we're going to talk about some ideas, and hopefully you guys will have some time to share some things as we kind of guide this conversation. But guys, it does not take a lot of money or effort to create a moment. It just takes some care, some engagement with the people, and being intentional, doing things on purpose. And so one of the things that I want to start talking about is, is this idea of, of beginnings, firsts. So for example, the life of a university student, most of their time in college, most of the, the day in and day out things, they are going to forget. Okay, they're going to be forgotten, but the most memorable things happen within the first six weeks of freshman year. Why is that? Well, it's, it's a time that is highly emotional. You have a student who is for the first time leaving home and going into college, the first time that they don't maybe have to report to somebody with a curfew, right? They're getting to live on their own. They get to experience all of these brand new things, and it's a highly emotional time. It's also a time of transition, right? So they're moving from high school to college. They're getting ready to live life on their own. These are huge, huge moments. And so what can we pull from this? We need to recognize the firsts. So let's think about this in the context of our ministry. Let's think about the firsts that we have, right? We don't have to necessarily manage everything, but it is our job to help steward the peaks, the pits, and the transitions, right? Because we know that those are the most memorable things in a person's life. So if we can focus on some of those areas, right, we're going to be creating defining moments for the people in our ministry. Let me give you an example, and then we'll talk about some other firsts. Imagine the first day of work for you. 
If you're at a new company, you come in on the first day, maybe you've just talked to somebody on the phone, you come in in the morning, you've got paperwork to fill out, you're rushed all around, around the office being introduced to all the different people, and they're all busy catching up on emails and on phone calls, and you get a quick hey, and, and you're, you're on the road again, and you get into your cubicle, and your desk is empty, you don't have anything to start out with, and by the end of the day, you've not met anybody because everybody's been so busy, you may have had a quick conversation, right? You may have eaten lunch by yourself in your office, or if you did make it into the break room, maybe you just didn't meet anybody yet, you didn't know anybody, and it's a very awkward first day. Imagine something like this, though. The company John Deere, they were entering the, the market with their tractors in China and India, and John Deere was not incredibly well known in this area. For the first time, when they met somebody, they had been... Uh, when they first walk in for their first day, the first person that they meet is somebody who has been texting with them a few days prior saying, hey, when you get here, here's what you need to do. Here are some of the things that we're gonna be talking about this day, we're so excited to have you. So the first thing, time that they get there, they walk in the office, they meet somebody they've been texting to, and that person that has been texting with them has their favorite drink in their hand to offer them for their first day. They show up to their desk space, and their desk is set up with beautiful pictures of John Deere tractors scrolling through, right? Their desk isn't empty. They've got it set with some pens and some paper and this beautiful desktop. They open up their email, and their very first email is from the CEO saying that they are glad that they are part of the team and explaining about their company and the purpose and the heart behind it. Also sitting on their desk is a nice little, beautiful little replica of a John Deere tractor. There's a banner beside their cubicle that allows everyone to see that there's somebody new on the floor and that people can stop and say hi. Instead of being rushed around to meet everybody, people are able to stop at their leisure and they have a conversation that's way more focused and purpose purposeful than when they're just rushed around their cubicle. When that person leaves their first day, they leave with a sense of purpose. They leave with connections with people that they've made. They leave with a sense of pride about their work that they'll be doing and a sense of what they're doing is important. So let's talk about firsts in our ministries. What does your ministry look like for a first-time family that is coming through the doors? Right? I know full well the way that my church is set up, I have an awful habit of looking like I'm way too busy. I know it's a habit of mine. Right, And so I'm rushing between my kids' ministries, and of course, my kids' ministries are on the opposite build sides of the church. I've got nursery over here. I've got our preschool and elementary here, and I'm constantly going back and forth, saying hi to people. But imagine a first-time family coming in. What kind of signage do you have to signal, hey, this is where you should go? Because after reading these books, I started to take a look at my kids' area, and I was like, huh, I really don't know where I would go if I was a first-time visitor, right? And so to a first-time visitor walking in, what does that say to them? That maybe they're not, it's not that they're not welcome, but it's difficult for them to get connected. It's difficult for them to know where to go. How about how we're treating our kids that are in our services for our first time? Now, I realize that not everybody here may be in kids' ministry, but I'm a kids' pastor, and so let me speak to the kids' people for just a minute. 
right? So they have a family, we have a family station check-in now after reading this book. <laughs> we have a place that people can come and check in and our kid comes in and we have a special segment in our service called First Time Friends. And so as these kids are coming in, they're getting a bright colored lanyard on them that signifies that they are a first time friend. And so when they come in, our leaders have been trained to recognize, oh, this is a new student. And they're able to go and make immediate connections. We have student leaders who are able to sit, you know, to picture, to see those bright colored lanyards. And they're able to go and have a conversation. And when it's time for our first time friends, we invite our first time friends up to the front. And we say, we just want to get to know you and we have a little gift for you. And so we ask them questions like, what's your favorite, um, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite movie? All that kind of stuff. And when we introduce them, the kids all stand up and they cheer and they get excited. Imagine. <laughs> The feeling that that child is experiencing, it's their first time in a new place, they don't know anybody, and they are being treated like with such celebration, they're excited to be there. There are four, sorry guys, let me get, there are four main ways that moments become memorable. Okay, and we're gonna barrel through these real quick um, and hopefully a couple of them will be able to stop and have you give you time to discuss. But the first one I want to talk about today is a moment of elevation. A moment of elevation is a peak experience that can be enhanced with a heightened sensory experience. A moment of elevation boosts sensory appeal, it raises the stakes, and it breaks the script. Okay? And so many times organizations and churches, they make things standard, predictable, and routine. But can I suggest something to you that sometimes to be more successful or more memorable, we need to take a risk and be a little bit more unreasonable and break the script. Imagine for a moment Apple products. Who's an Apple user in here? Okay. Apple has actually gone through the time and the little bit of extra moment to money to create a moment when you are opening their product for the first time, right? How many of you guys still have an, a box from an Apple product that you have purchased somewhere in your home? Whether it's in the garage, whether it's in your closet, why is that? Because it was a big deal when you purchased that. And so they have created it in such a way that when you take that lid off for the first time, it breaks that seal and it makes that nice little sound as the box is coming up and they have put emotion with it and created a memorable experience for you that now you guys are all holding on to boxes that you don't need because it was a moment for you, right? <coughs> Think about for a minute Saturdays with your kids, right? Saturdays for us include laundry, cleaning the house, maybe doing some yard work. What happens if as a parent, you go and say, you know what, today we're gonna break the script and today you get to choose everything that we do today. Something so simple and yet such a memorable and defining moment for those children, right? And a lot of times what happens is it's not like they're asking to go to an amusement park or anything like that. They just wanna hang out with you and spend time with you. And yet breaking that script and creating a day where they can choose everything that you guys do breaks the script and is a moment of elevation. 
Let's talk about ministry, though, okay? So we've got our heads wrapped around this idea of elevation. Let's talk about ministry. Imagine the power of a moment when a volunteer receives a handwritten thank you card in the mail that's personalized, not made on the computer, that is actually handwritten out by you that says, thank you so much for what you do. It's a power of a moment. A birthday gift, uh, a birthday card in the mail for volunteers. This is something that I was able to do last year, and I can't tell you the number of conversations I had from it of people who were just so surprised, and it was just such a random thing to have a, have a card with a $5 coffee card in it that showed up in their mail that said, hey, happy birthday from Lima First. We just want you to know we're so glad you're on our team. We love you. Right? It's a moment of surprise that just makes them feel good. My friend Megan, and she's not in here, she was telling me the story of um, some new curriculum that she had purchased. Now, I enjoy going through curriculum. However, it is kind of a pain, <laughs> right, to just get it all out and figure it all out. And, you know, it's got lots of paperwork and everything. However, this new curriculum that she ordered, as soon as she opened the box, she found a bag of homemade brownies that said, thank you for using our curriculum. We're excited that you're part of this. A small moment that is memorable and changes everything, right? <laughs> right, and so hopefully, I realize that I'm giving you some very specific things, but I'm, I'm praying that as we go through these, that you begin to kind of see your ministry in some different eyes that God just begins to be to speak some creativity to you that when you have your kids service or when you have volunteers or when you are standing at the front door for first time visitors I'm praying that God speaks to you about some ways that you can begin to start with little things to make some powerful moments one thing that I did one year I took I took about two months of time to do this and I it's a moment for me just because I was so surprised at how meaningful it was to my people. Um, so most of us are on social media. And so I took two months where I very intentionally focused on my, on my team, my volunteers. And I would go on Facebook after the service and I would give them public shout outs. I would post on their wall and say, Whitney, I noticed you today in the nursery. You loved those babies and I loved hearing you sing, Jesus loves you to them. You did a fantastic job. Thank you so much for being on this team. Publicly on Facebook. And then what happens is everybody else sees that post that I made and they begin to comment and they begin to like and they begin to love. And all of the emotions come out, right? Because we're creating an emotional public moment of elevation for a volunteer that speaks volumes to them. It says we notice them. I had a conversation with one of my kids a couple weeks ago. His name is Philip. He's a preschooler. He's got snot all over his face all the time. Sweet, sweet kid though. And he's got the most beautiful blue eyes. We have almost like our, the, our windows in our church are real big and they almost have like a little window seat in them. And he was sitting there one Sunday, just sitting and watching everybody. And so I came, remember, I'm used to like running back and forth. And so I'm trying to intentionally force myself to slow down. And so I saw him sitting in the window. And so I went and I sat next to him. 
And he just is smiling and he's not saying anything. He just looks at me and smiles and he's got, you know, he's bouncing around on the, on the seat. And um, I, I said to him, I looked at him and I just could feel God speaking to my spirit. I looked at him and I said, Philip, do you know what an amazing kid you are? You are just such a smart kid. God has so many plans for your life. And I just started speaking life into him as the Holy Spirit prompted me. Well, his parents came looking for him. And, and when they got around the corner, they said, Philip, it's time to leave. He says, not right now. I'm talking to Pastor Lena. And so he's sitting there next to me, and I'm just, I'm just continuing to speak over him. And instead of saying anything else to me about, you know, anything, he's looking right at me in my eyes. He says, Pastor Lena, do you know that you have green eyes? And I said, yes. And then I, I'm, looking dead, I'm looking at him dead in the eye, and I said, and Philip, you have beautiful blue eyes. How many eye color conversations are we having with people? Because I was able to speak into that child's life so much to the point that he didn't want to go away from me. He didn't want to go with his parents. He was sitting there and I was speaking into him and we were close enough and intentional enough that we were able to notice each other's eye color. I can tell you from that day, Philip makes a point to come up and hug my leg every time he sees me, right? Because it's a powerful moment that we have made in our child's life. Guys, this doesn't have to be like huge and scientific and cost lots of money. Some of it is just a matter of slowing down and recognizing the moments that we have around us that we can speak into people, right? Let's, go to, let's talk about the next one, the next thing that creates a moment. I keep having on my screen pop up to, uh, it wants me to connect to the internet. That's why it keeps like making these noises. The next moment is a moment of insight. A moment of insight is an experience of being challenged. Although uncomfortable, it is often memorable. Does anybody have any moments that are sticking out in their head when it comes to this? They're challenging moments that are uncomfortable, but are memorable and defining for us. The best of these moments um, are, are times where we are stretched or when we're talking about creating these moments for other people, it's when we help others be stretched, okay? That's not what this is for. It's just happy, it's a nice happenstance, <laughs> right? A moment of insight causes you to trip over the truth or it stretches you. Now, I'm going to tell you one of my absolute favorite, favorite stories in this book. And when you read this book, they don't use the appropriate, um, well, the, not the appropriate term. They, they use a crude term for this. But I want to tell you this story because it was, it was such an incredible story. It was talking about this sanitation department that was going into some remote villages and stuff in India and all this. And, and in these villages, they have open defecation places. Right, you guys know what I'm talking about. They poop out in the open, okay, on the outskirts of town. And so these people were coming in and they were trying to help them understand this is not healthy. This is causing you disease and sickness. This isn't the way you want to do it. But how many of you guys know that a lot of times you can't just go up and say, hey, you're doing this wrong to somebody, right? You have to help them kind of trip over the truth themselves. And so this first wave of people that would come into these villages, their only job was to ask questions. 
they weren't giving answers, they weren't giving suggestions. It was literally to ask questions. And so the sanitation man goes into this village and all these people start coming out to see who's the new person, you know? And he says, show me where the open defecation places are. And so awkwardly, you know, they kind of lead him outside to the outsides of the village to all this open space. And he says, okay, I'm gonna draw a map on the ground in the dirt. And he says, I want you to mark where your homes are. And what happens if you're sick and maybe can't get to this spot where it's, you know, where it's okay to, to poop in public, you know? What about then? And so they begin to make these marks, these X's on, you know, near their homes and all around the insides of the villages of where, where they have to poop sometimes, right? And so this sanitation person says, well, what's flying around this poop? How many are awkward in this conversation right now? <laughs> right? And so he's like, well, what's flying around the poop? Well, the flies are flying around the poop. Remember, he's just asking questions. Okay, well, where do you keep your food? And so he starts having them mark on the, on their, uh, on the map where they keep their food. Well, what happens to the flies? You know, some of them land here. Where do, they, do you have flies on your food as well? And they start thinking, well, yeah, we, we've got flies on our food as well. So does that mean that, the, that some of these flies are sitting on the poop as well as your food? Whose poop is it? Is it your poop or is it mixed with somebody else's poop that's making the flies, right? And so people are starting to get really uncomfortable. They're starting to feel really awkward. And this, they, they start to argue, well, what are we supposed to do about this? This isn't acceptable. I don't want to be eating food with your poop on it, right? <laughs> Right? And so these people start to get all riled up and they start deciding that they need change. Right? This is a moment of insight where they have helped people to trip over the truth and inspire them and encourage them to change. Now, I hope you don't have to have any poop conversations in your churches. However, as leaders, it's our job to help create moments of self-insight for those around us, right? I like to consider myself a mentor to some of the people around me. Mentorship in two sentences says, I have expectations for you and I know you can meet them. So try this new challenge and if you fail, I'll help you recover. Okay, so a good, a good leader, a good mentor is coming into somebody who maybe doesn't know so much about kids ministry. Maybe they're new to your team and you're trying to give them a moment where they can step out of their comfort zone, where they can stretch a little bit, experience something new, take on some risk and not be afraid to fail. A mentor's push leads to a stretch which creates a moment of self-insight. To produce moments of self-insight we need to stretch ourselves, right? So I don't know if you're the kind of leader that I am, but I have a really hard time handing things over to other people and allowing them to do it and giving them an opportunity to stretch, right? But how powerful of a moment is it when the person that I've handed that task over to, yeah, they may not do it the same way that I do. They may slip up a little bit, but when they accomplish that task and are successful in it, what a powerful moment of insight it is for that volunteer. Mentors can help us stretch further than we thought we could. And in the process, they can spark defining moments 
for the people that they're leading. I want to share a couple stories. And like I said, I'm just praying that this helps to, to spark some ideas for you. I uh, was at a junior Bible quiz meet a month or two ago, and there was a young man there named Enoch. And he was quizzing and everything, but this kid carried around a Rubik's Cube with, Rubik's Cube with him all the time. All the time. And he kept flipping with it and playing with it the entire day. And so finally I said, hey, can you show me your Rubik's Cube? I just, I just want to see you do this trick. And so, of course, he's like, well, yeah, I can show this to you. And he's flipping it and he makes it all solved. And he's like, wait, watch what I can do. And so he does this little, and granted, I don't know anything about Rubik's Cubes, but he does this little, this little trick that makes it so, so that it's like super easy to solve. And he like sets himself up. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. So he does this and messes it all up. He's like, look, I can solve it in three seconds. I said, okay, show me. So he, you know, he does it in three seconds. He's all proud of himself. And God spoke to me right then and there. And I looked at him and I said, Enoch, can you keep doing this, you know, this back and forth super easy? Well, yeah, I can do it over and over and over again. I said, have you ever thought about using this to share about Jesus with other people? Well, no, I've never thought about. I said, do you understand that there's this thing called gospel illusions where they use tricks Right, and they use those to share Jesus with other people. And said, so I, I said, I, I said, okay, go ahead and mix this up, make it a trick. You know how it's how it's got to be set up. And I said, as you are solving it, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And so he sit, you know, he's like, okay, you know, his eyes are big and he's all excited, and he starts going through. And as he's solving, I said, you know what? Our lives are so messed up. We have sin in our lives. It separates us from God. But when we say yes to Jesus, he can come in and he can take away all of our sin and make us whole and pure and clean again. And so at this time, he's got, it, he's got the Rubik's Cube solved and he's holding it up. And he's like, oh, this is cool. He was so excited. And so I said, okay, you do it again. But this time you tell me about Jesus. He says, okay. And so he goes through and, and as he's solving this Rubik's Cube, he's telling me the story of salvation, right? And I said, okay, Enoch, here's what we're going to do. Ready for the moment of insight? Here you go. I said, Enoch, why don't we go and practice this on some of the JBQ kids that are in, in this big room? Oh, I don't think I can do that, Pastor Lena. Come on, I'll come with you. And if you get stuck, you can just solve it and I'll tell them the story of Jesus. And he goes in and he goes to this kid and he's like, I think I got this. I think I got it. And so he's going through and he's solving this Rubik's Cube and he's telling them the story of Jesus. And he gets to the end and he's like, you can know Jesus too. Jesus loves you and he can make you whole again. And it was this incredible moment of insight where this child was like, wow, this is something that is fun to me, but I can use this for Jesus. I gave, I taught him how to have that stretching opportunity, right? We walked through it, but he went through telling all, a whole bunch of kids, JBQ kids about Jesus, you know, <laughs> right? Another one of my kiddos, his name is Elijah, and this is a story about missions, and this was a defining moment in my life. I, we, I challenge my kids to make faith promises when it comes to missions, because I want them to experience that moment where God comes through and you know, what, what he says that he'll do and what he's challenging them to do when they step out in faith and do it, God's going to meet them, right? I want them to have that aha moment. And so Elijah, he's in third grade. He, he goes home and he prays about his faith promise. And he says, okay, he comes back the next time and he says, I think I know what God's asking me to do. I think God's asking me to give 10 pairs of glasses that cost $17 each. And I said, that's fantastic, Elijah. I said, you know, that's about $170. 
And the, apparently, he didn't realize that. <laughs> and so immediately, he gets these big tears in his eyes, and he just starts crying. He's like, well, Pastor Lena, I, I don't have $170. I can't do that much. There's no way that I can. I'm, I'm a kid. And of course, that like that, those are fighting words, buddy. <laughs> yes, you can. If you think that God, that's what God is asking you to do, if you think that's what God has challenged you to do, right? Moments of insight. You ready for it? I said, if that's what God's challenged you to do, then he's going to do it. If you step out in faith and you commit to it and you do your part, God's going to meet you and he's going to help you. He says, okay, Pastor Lena, I'm going to commit to 10 glasses at $17 a pair. And so I prayed with him right there on the spot. I said, God, would you come through? Would you help him to see your faithfulness as he's stepping out and doing his part? Help him to have that moment. And can I tell you, that child brought in $220, way above what that missions thing was. But I was able, God helped me to see the moment that I could speak into his life and set him up right, to have that stretching time where he was stretched and he was able to come out successful. The next thing I want to talk to you about, something that creates a moment, is a moment of, a moment of pride. This is a moment, it's a life experience of achievement that can be enhanced with public recognition. Moments of pride recognize others, they multiply milestones, and they practice courage. This book, like I said, you've got to get this book after this class. I'm telling you, it's changed my ministry. But the book tells a story about, if you could only imagine this moment of pride, a bank, that somebody has been making payments on a mortgage for however many years, right, sucking the life out of them. And so on the very last time that they make their mortgage payment, their very last payment, the banker comes and shows up at their house with the certificate to their house and says, hey, we just want to tell you we are so proud of you that this now belongs to you. And it's a celebration, right? Anybody have a banker that does that? Nobody, right? But imagine that moment of celebration when that happens. A lot of times, bank will charge you when you make the last payment on your mortgage house, right? I want us to think for a couple minutes about how we can multiply milestones and recognize others in our ministries. We understand that what gets celebrated gets repeated. And so as leaders, it's our job to celebrate those things that we want to encourage people to do, right? And so how do we do this? And I'm just going to spit out some suggestions, okay? And I'm just going to pray that your mind runs with them. What would happen if we gave out an award, if we recognized a volunteer for the 50th service they've served? What about recognizing a team, a team member for someone who has recruited five or ten people to come join them on their team? What about a, a recognition called like a generation award or something for someone who has served in kids' ministry and seen a whole class of students from the time they are in kindergarten through fifth grade? They've been serving in, in their, that ministry for long enough that they've been able to see that entire group come through. Right? Imagine what would happen if we started recognizing some of these different things and encouraging people to keep going, right? I want you to take just a minute, just a minute, 
we're going to take just a minute and I want you to talk about some of the possible things. I just gave you a few suggestions. What are some things that you could do to recognize some of the leaders that you are serving with? Your volunteers, the people in your church, what are some things you could do to recognize and celebrate your volunteers? Go. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want us to think along the lines of this moment of pride. When we think of uh, moments that are full of pride, a lot of times I think of like these milestone moments, these transition times. And so I want to give you two things that we do in my church just to help maybe spur some other ideas on you. Um, and it has to do with transitions. Um, so we know that transitions are important. These are emotional times in people's lives that if we can if we can get this right, it'll be a defining moment in these lives. And so two of the things that we do, one is our fifth grade graduation. When our kids are getting ready to move up into youth ministry, we have a simple snack dinner on a Sunday night in honor of our fifth graders. We invite their families. We make it a party, a big celebration, and we celebrate them. We bring in youth leaders at the same time who are coming in, they're hanging around, they're mingling with everybody, and they're talking about what youth service is going to look like, what the youth group looks like. We usually take time and we give a little bit of a final challenge from kids ministry and we have the fifth graders gather in the center and everyone comes around them and prays for them and speaks blessings over them. Then at the end of that, right after that time, they go in to their very first youth service and their parents are welcome to stand in the back and kind of check it out and see what it is. When they get into their youth service, the youth leader says, hey, we've got some new kids tonight. We're so excited that they're here. And it's this awesome evening filled with these really powerful moments that is helping to transition these kids from kids ministry to youth ministry, right? Another thing that I want to talk about, another transition or a milestone that 
that a lot of times we experience in churches are child dedications, baby dedications. So one thing that we do in my church is part of the gift that we give for our baby dedications is a jar of 936 pennies. Has anybody ever heard of this? Some of you? Okay, so this is a jar that is filled with 936 pennies. Each penny represents a week in a child's life from the time they are born until the time they turn 18 and are likely moving out of the house. Each week represents time where parents have to have intentional conversations about Jesus. And they are challenged that every Sunday after church, they are to go to that jar and remove a penny from that jar. And so as that child is getting older, they are seeing that jar diminish with pennies, right? They're seeing that time get lower and lower because they understand that penny represents a week. And when you get down to 20, 30, 40 pennies, you're understanding that the time you have left with your child in your home is really important, right? And so handing them that jar and commissioning them saying that we want you to parent on purpose. We want you to parent with intentionality. And we're doing this in front of the entire congregation at church. And we're handing them this jar and they're saying that, yes, we will commit to, you know, living our lives and all this kind of stuff. Right. It's a powerful defining moment uh, that happens on the platform of our sanctuary. And yet every time they pull that penny out of that jar, it is another moment that they are having to have remembering what they're doing as a parent, right? Yep. You could do M&Ms. You could do marbles, beads. Yep. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about, and I've got like two minutes, I think. <laughs> okay. The next thing I want to talk about, the last thing that makes a moment memorable are moments of connection. This is a shared sense of purpose among a diverse group of people, right? Individual passion is great, but having a purpose, a group of people working with purpose can double engagement. Moments of connection create shared meaning, they deepen ties, and they make moments matter, right? People value being a part of something that's bigger than themselves, right? They want to be involved in that. And guys, we as leaders, we got to play on that. Right? We have to understand that people don't want to just show up with a list of things that they've got to do. We have to put the reason, the heart, and the purpose behind that and help them understand why they're doing it. And we're not just asking them to come in and do it. We want to give them clear vision and make it clear that they are a vital part of the team to making that happen. They will rise to the occasion when they understand the purpose behind kids ministry and that we're not just asking them to come in and fill a spot or change some diapers. When they understand that, hey, you know what, when we're changing diapers in the nursery, we are praying over that child and we're blessing that child because we want that child to be familiar with Jesus from the time that they are, you know, six weeks old and just starting in our nursery. There's purpose behind it. And when we can create that purpose for a team, there is connection, and thus it creates some of these defining moments. When people serve together, they get closer together, right? You form friendships, you deepen ties. If you connect meaning to the work that they're doing, they will run with it, knowing that they have a sense of purpose. And in this instance, purpose trumps passion. Follow what I'm saying, guys. Passion is individualistic. It can energize us specifically, but it can also isolate us because my passion may not necessarily be your passion. However, when pur purpose is something that people can share and it can knit groups together, I may be passionate about something, but if I can communicate my passion in such a way that it gives you purpose, 
it can help grow that passion in you. Right? Okay, so if I'm passionate about missions, and I say we have to be doing our part to share the gospel around the world, and I am crazy passionate about it, maybe missions isn't your passion, okay? Not like it is mine. But if I can say, hey, you know what? You can change the world by doing this. If you take just one minute a day to pray for people around, you can change this. You can be part of a team. We're working together in Ohio to do this. It gives a little bit of purpose so that people get excited about it, right? I gave you guys rubber bands today because I want to tell you something that I did with my team, and I know that we have to close up, but something that I did with my team that that changed the way that my team operated, okay? And we we call them rubber band conversations. Something that I really wanted my team to have was, and to understand that they weren't there just to play some fun games. I wanted them there to have intentional conversations with kids and with parents. I wanted them to to help them understand that they were spiritual leaders, right? That they could have these, these great, powerful conversations. And so when my team comes in, they get three rubber bands that they put on one side of their wrist. Okay, three rubber bands, so go ahead and put your, put your rubber band on. And I challenge them, when you have a moment, when you have an intentional conversation with a child, maybe it's like an eye color conversation, okay? Maybe it's a moment that you talk with the parent about, hey, I had your kid in my group today. Here's what we talked about. Man, I loved seeing them worship God when they were in my group, right? When you have an intentional conversation, you flip one of those rubber bands over to the other side of the wrist, okay? Something super simple. And their challenge was to have three of those purposeful, intentional conversations. What I saw begin to happen, because we, they understood the purpose of these conversations, right? I started to see something really cool happen within my team. Because they started going to other people, hey, what was the conversation you had today? How many rubber bands did you flip over to your wrist? Right, and it started to create this really cool dynamic with the people on my team. One of the last things, and I'm probably gonna have to close with this, guys. One other thing that I just started doing just a few weeks ago, right, it's really important to me to offer a call for salvation every time that we have a kid's service. And and I was giving that call from the platform and and leading them in a prayer, and, and God just spoke to me one day And so we changed the way that we have kids respond to a salvation message. So when I ask, when I give the call and I have them raise their hand, I have an adult leader that comes around and taps them on their shoulder if their hand is raised. And we pull them off to the side, and that leader sits down with them and has this really cool conversation. Hey, I just want to make sure you understand the decision that you're making today. Let me tell you a little bit more about how much Jesus loves you and that he came and died on the cross for you. And that leader, then in this small group, leads this group of children in a salvation prayer, right? And they're leading these kids to Christ. And so We've created a powerful moment for the child when they raise their hand to saying that they want to accept Jesus. We've created a really cool, powerful moment for a leader who some of them have never had the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, right? Shows that I trust them. They have a powerful moment there. Then what happens is when the parents come and pick them up, that, that leader and that child go to the grown-ups and say, hey, guess what decision was made today? 
guess what, guess what Johnny decided to do today? And they have a powerful moment celebrating that, which brings validation to that child and that decision that that child made, right? And then we give them a book that's the now what salvation. We say, hey, here's a book that we're going to send home with you that is for the grown-up and the child to do together. You're going to go home and you're going to sit down and have a conversation about this. So now we have just equipped those parents to have a powerful moment at home where they're having the conversation with their child, right? Big, powerful moments. Guys, we have got to learn to think in moments, to spot the occasions that are worthy of investment. In organizations, we are consumed with goals, but as individual human beings, moments are the things that matter. Moments are what we remember and what we cherish. So we have got to understand the power of moments and we have to include those powerful moments intentionally in our ministry. Guys, thank you so much for coming to this session. I'm happy to share my notes. I'll have my notes posted on the, on the um, Synergy thing if you guys want those, um, but thank you. No, you take, hey, take your, take your rubber bands and have a powerful moment at some time here in Synergy. Have an intentional conversation. Power of moments.